A remote fantastical kingdom far from Europe's chancelleries of power. An ancient castle where secrets are walled up. An unpopular monarch on the eve of his coronation. A ruling class of plotters and would-be usurpers. And a gentleman adventurer on holiday. No, not Ruritania in the 19th century, but the United Kingdom in the 21st. Stein's new book, The Prisoner of Windsor, is a contemporary inversion of Anthony Hope's classic, The Prisoner of Zender. In the original, an English gentleman on vacation is called upon to stand in for his lookalike, the King of Ruritania, at his coronation. Over a century later, a Ruritanian on vacation in London is called upon to return the favour and stand in for an Englishman in an absurd, fantastical kingdom where Brexit never quite happened. Plots are afoot. The Prisoner of Windsor by Mark Stein. Available in hardback and digital editions or for a personally autographed copy, go to steinonline.com. The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. Twentieth, twenty twenty-three, the week before Christmas. It is three p.m. North American Eastern Time, four p.m. in the beautiful Canadian Maritimes, four thirty p.m. in fabulous Newfoundland and beyond the Americas, eight p.m. in London and Dublin, nine p.m. in Paris and Berlin, ten p.m. in Kiev. Yes. Uh, where Zelensky is furious that all the focus is now on Tel Aviv. I can't do two in a row. 11pm in Aden. Aden, because Yemen is apparently uh, the designated quagmire for the Pentagon's next war. 11.30pm in Tehran for all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone. 1.45am. In Kathmandu, for all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 4 a.m. in Singapore and Honkers. Uh, sorry about that. 7 a.m. in Sydney and Melbourne. Still kind of, sort of sorry. 9 a.m. in Auckland. A far more convivial hour for the Kippers and Kedgeri. And even deeper into Thursday in His Majesty's Dominions across the Pacific, where they probably had Christmas and are on to Boxing Day by now. Uh, it's great to uh, be back with you in this season of Advent. I'm in a bit of, bit of pain today, but I'm going to try and uh, struggle through the full show. I can't really find a, a comfortable position to mitigate the pain, so I'm in a rather uh, odd position that I don't think I've been in since I did an impression of 
Dean Martin duetting with Petula Clark. And I'll say no more than that. Um, anyway, uh, we shall have some festive content, not quite as festive as uh, Dino and Pet, uh, but we will have some festive content on today's show as a bit of a palate cleanser between consideration of recent American court decisions. Headline from the New York Post, quote, Biden feels so much younger than 81 as wife aides reportedly warn him to slow down. Quote, he's his own worst enemy. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy to be your own worst enemy when you've had your actual opponent uh, dragged into multiple courthouses and kicked off the ballot. Headline from the Hot Air website, illegal aliens entering U.S. at rate of 4.6 million a year. And I come back to that line of Donald J. Trump's when he wondered why America only got immigrants from bleephole countries and never from Norway. Because if the entire population of Norway emigrated to the United States, every single one, it would just represent uh, one year of the number of illegal aliens that uh, America has taken in just uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, same story in Canada, same story in the United Kingdom, same story in Europe. Uh, there's no future for any of these places at this rate of incoming population growth. 50 years ago today, December 20th, 1973, Bobby Darren died after open-heart surgery necessitated by cardiac damage due to septicemia caused by his failure to take antibiotics before a trip to the dentist. He was 37 years old. We play him a lot on 7A Radio and on Stein's Song of the Week. Also 50 years ago today, Admiral Luis Carrero Blanco died. We don't play him so much on Song of the Week. But he was Prime Minister of Spain until Basque separatists blew up his automobile on the way back from Mass, December 20th, 1973. These days... Continental politicians lessen their chances of assassination by not going to mass at all. Generalissimo Franco posthumously elevated Admiral Blanco to Captain General of the Spanish Navy and made him a duke. Political assassination in the Western world. Ah, but uh, that's all in the past, isn't it? It's the Christmas season at Stein Online. Special programming all through Advent. I hope you're enjoying my serialization of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Um, we're going to be wrapping it up in the next uh, two or three days. It's getting late for physical post office shipped gifts. Uh, but there, there's always a Mark Stein uh, Club Christmas gift membership or a Stein Online gift certificate, both of which can be digitally delivered to your loved one uh, until the early hours of Christmas morning. Oh, and don't forget the ultimate uh, Christmas present for your sweetheart, a stateroom on the Mark Stein Caribbean cruise, a week of sun, sea, and civilizational collapse with uh, Ava Velarding, a broke Conrad Black, Leilani Dowding, Bo Snurdly, Michelle Buckman, and more. Just go to MarkSteinCruise.com for more info. It'll be after Iowa, 
New Hampshire, South Carolina, so you won't be missing anything. Uh, and you can just do like everybody else does and get a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend uh, to mail in your ballot. Assuming, of course, your candidate is still on the ballot. Okay, let us get to your questions. Chris Davis says, Mark, I hope you are well. The weaponization and misuse of the Constitution continues unabated, I see. The lawfare raining down on Trump is only one pillar of the Democrats' Stop Trump strategy. Are there any lengths, legal or otherwise, that they will not go to in the pursuit of their goal? Uh, have a wonderful Christmas, Mark, and here's to improved health and a prosperous new year in the courts on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, no, I don't think there uh, are any lengths that they won't go to because this is all uh, th this is this is getting more brazen by the month. Uh, so that uh, it, it, they 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 kept uh, indicting him for this, that, and the other, and it didn't make any difference to his numbers. Uh, so now we've got judges ruling that he can't be put on the ballot at all. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't been convicted of any uh, in insurrection offence, which is the reason for this section three of Article 14 rubbish. But they're serious. They don't want to. They, they think that America, at the federal level at least, they don't care about some swamp in the middle of nowhere that's not their bag. But at the national level, uh, they want America to be un in control of the Democrat, uh, under control of the, the, the Democrat Party now and forever. And that's why they're doing this. And the funny thing is, people sort of milksop, panty-waist uh, Democrats, uh, Republicans, the uh, fellows you'd who'd get sand kicked in their face in the old uh, Charles Atlas ads, they think, oh, well, you know, what's so weird about this, right, is if you go back to 1960 and Nixon knew about the uh, stolen, uh, stolen votes in certain precincts in that election, but he thought it was not in the interests of the country to challenge... JFK's uh, election. So he let it go. And one assumes that there were people who genuinely thought, regardless of what they saw and what they knew, that the same thing was in the interests in uh, 2020. One assumes that, for example, John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the United States, the decision he made that the court would not hear uh, any of the various cases that were submitted to it, that it would, uh, whatever, was it Texas that, uh, that, that argued that Texas's votes had been diminished by the election theft in Pennsylvania uh, and that therefore it had standing to bring a suit to the Supreme Court. And he, uh, the, the Supreme Court said, no, you don't have standing. Um, presumably he did that because... Whatever he thought had really gone on, he figured that, OK, that we'll, we'll let this go. People will accept it as ultimately they accepted the 2000 decision. They got some bumper stickers calling Bush the selected president, uh, blah, blah, blah. But basically they accepted it. 
And he assumed that they would do the same this time. Well, they didn't because they want to do it again and they want to keep doing it. And they're, and they're serious about it. And that's, the, and that's why uh, just sort of setting it to one side in 2020 was never going to be possible because the Democrats are determined to make this a permanent feature of life. Uh, and there's, the, the, there's, they're serious about it and they're not going to change the way of doing it. So there are no limits, Chris. They'd like to get Trump in jail. Uh, and I'm sure they'd quite like for something bad to befall him in jail as well. There are, there are, there are no limits uh, to what they are prepared to do here. Uh, Scott Schertzer writes from Miami Beach. Dear Mark, with this Colorado Supreme Court decision to remove Trump from the ballot, the Our Democracy crowd continues on their path to destroy democracy. While I understand that the left is all about power and will manipulate language and the Constitution to achieve their aims... I'm at a loss as to why so many on the right still don't take this situation seriously. There have already been four Republican primary debates with barely a mention of the dire straits this country finds itself in. They campaign as though the system is working as it was intended, and they seem blind to the corruption that is taking place all around them. The average Joe can see what is happening, and Trump's poll numbers bear that out. Do you think there is any hope that the Republican Party can find its way out of this morass, or will it take the birth of a new, truly conservative party to take the fight to the Democrats? Take good care of yourself, and a very Merry Christmas, says Scott Scherzer of Miami Beach. You are quite right about that. Uh, these Republican debates have been weird. Here's, here's what's going on. Uh, there is no politics in America at the moment. Because what is happening in New York, what is happening in Georgia, what is happening in Colorado, this is not politics. Uh, this, this, is, this is not politics as conducted in a free, self-governing society. And I don't want to do all the jokes. I just sort of plucked at random uh, the court case from Senegal where the opposition candidate uh, who's been jailed is uh, the judges now said, okay, you're back on back on the ballot, you know, because the they, it's, the joke is unfair to Senegal because America is crapper than Senegal right now because America is supposed to be quote the leader of the free world. So when America goes down the toilet, and no disrespect to our Senegalese friends, but that's actually a bigger deal than some ramshackle uh, French ex-colony in West Africa going down the toilet. So there is no politics in America at the moment. This is not politics. Uh, this, this is a, uh, effectively a power grab, a coup, designed to make the one-party state permanent. And... There's something pathetic to see these guys. Uh, you know, initially the issue was Trump. Oh, Trump will hurt himself not taking part in the debates. People want to see the debates. So they're going to be annoyed that Trump isn't there and then his numbers will crater. No, 
Because the debates are stupid, the debates are rigged, the debates are not about questions of concern to Republican voters. They're all about, oh, what do we need to do for comprehensive immigration reform and legalizing the dreamers? When uh, Republican voters want to know, what are you going to do so that the, we don't have another 4.6 million illegal immigrants walking into America in the next 12 months like we did in the last 12 months? But you don't ever get any debates like that. And Trump's absence has exposed uh, the fact that these are not real debates debating the issues of concern to the American people. The Univision one or whatever it was with the uh, Hispanic chickie asking all the dreamers questions was particularly bad. And I ex make an exception for Megyn Kelly's uh, questions and whatever that one. But I don't watch these things. I see a clip or two on YouTube, but the, what they're doing wrong is they're pretending that it's, poli it's politics as usual, whereas the Democrats have crushed politics. And they've said, we're killing politics, we're putting the opposition candidate in jail, and then the pygmies, who are at, you know, 2%, 3%, 4%, you can have some pseudo-dinner theatre debate to give the impression that politics as usual is still going on. So when you participate in that uh, charade, or charade, which is, oh, charade's the British one, charade's American, I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter whether it's a charade or a charade, that's, that's all you're allowed. And um, uh, I, I don't think they should, after this court decision, these guys need to get real. Vivek Ramaswamy, um, who... Uh, you know, people don't like him. I actually, I like what he did with Nikki Haley. I, <laughs> I uh, as you know, I had dinner with him and Tucker, uh, what, I think it was last year. And uh, I'd never heard of him till I met him. And he's an immensely compelling figure. And it's interesting to me that he was first out of the gate after this court decision to say, well, if Donald Trump is not on the ballot, then I'm not going to be on the ballot either. Right. And he called on all the others, Nikki Haley and uh, Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis and whoever the other fellows are still in the game to also uh, pull themselves off the ballot, because that's what it takes. You've got to be first principles on this. You've got to say, we're not going to let four hack judges. And, you know, in my experience, American judges are some of the worst in the world. I wouldn't want the. I don't. I. It's a terrible thing to have degenerated into a judge's republic, but it's particularly bad to have degenerated into a judge's republic with the awful quality of judges uh, that most parts of America are afflicted with, such as these four who made this ruling. So Ramaswamy is quite right to say, I'm not going to let judges tell uh, our voters who their candidate is going to be. So if Trump's not on the ballot, I'm not. And DeSantis, uh, Haley and uh, Christie and the rest should all do the same. And the other good thing was the Colorado Republican Party coming out and saying uh, after Ramaswamy had done his thing. They then responded to Ramaswamy saying, uh, if this uh, if if this ruling isn't overturned, we're not going to have a primary. 
uh, will have a caucus instead. And there's a, an important distinction there because primaries are run by the state. So the Secretary of State, which for non-Americans is a position in the state government in every state, uh, runs the elections when you have a primary election. But a caucus is a party affair, so the party runs it. So uh, the Colorado Republican Party can run a caucus and uh, whoever wins it, wins it, um, and will get that state's delegates uh, at the uh, convention when they nominate the candidate. And that cuts out the four boobs at the Colorado court. But this is the very minimum. Where's Ronna McDaniel, the supposed head of uh, the Republican Party on any of or any of this, the Republicans just go along with this all uh, with it all as if they, you know, not mentioning it uh, will enable them to pretend that there is still politics in America. No, there isn't. This is totally this is doesn't meet the definition of politics as it would be conducted in any self-respecting nation. So so we got to, uh, you know, there's no point pretending to go, and all you, the you guys, you Nikki Haley, you Chris Christie's, you Ron DeSantis, you should have got in there and beaten Ramaswamy to that. Uh, this is, this is not, this, and I, I found myself thinking today of uh, a chap I hadn't thought about in a long time. Uh, Malcolm Sinclair, I doubt anyone remembers him. He was a Tory MP uh, from 60 years ago. And uh, he, a uh, left-wing firebrand called Tony Benn, whom everybody in the UK will know. Um, uh, Tony Benn had inherited his father's Viscountcy. His dad was Viscount Stansgate, who had been... Secretary of State for India and various other cabinet positions. And, uh, and, and uh, the minute he inherited his Viscountcy, he could no longer sit in the House of Commons because he had a seat in the House of Lords, and he didn't want to sit in the House of Lords. He didn't want to be a Viscount. And uh, so eventually uh, he, he managed to force the government to pass uh, the, I think it was the 1963 Peerage Act, whereby you could renounce your peerage. And he had been the choice of the electors of Bristol until he'd basically been removed and made a Viscount against his will. And Malcolm Sinclair, the Tory uh, who'd, who'd, who'd taken that seat once... Tony Benn uh, had been removed from it. The first thing he did after 20 minutes after the Peerage Act received royal assent was he resigned his seat in order that uh, Bristol could hold an election and elect the candidate of their choice. And no Tory and no Liberal stood against Tony Benn because they knew a great injustice had been done to him uh, by forcing him to lose his seat and go to the House of Lords when he didn't want to go to the House of Lords. And he didn't want to be a Viscount. And uh, that kind of... Uh, you you have to... I, I'm, I'm tired of the people putting up with stuff that is 
that that is blatantly uh, that that chips away at responsible government. I don't particularly like the word democracy, and I don't want to get into that pillar. Uh, uh, American, I'm not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Doesn't matter. You're not a constitutional anything at the moment. This has all happened under the constitution, so I don't waste my time splitting hairs about we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Doesn't matter. We're talking about self-government. I like the phrase responsible government. Uh, I, it's, it's about uh, self-government by the people. And there's less and less of that. In, 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 in One of the problems is that because it's all corrupt, you have a corrupt uniparty enriching itself and then saying, oh, don't worry, uh, the next election, the, our, our democracy is so healthy that in the next election we're thinking of running Jeb versus Hillary. So you have a choice between the brother and son of the previous presidents or the wife of the previous president. In a republic so-called of 300 million people, it's crap. It's dead. The constitution that you're all fetishizing has enabled this to happen because... Uh, it's no point having the greatest constitution in the world if you have the crappiest election system in the world and if your constitution is interpreted by the crappiest judges in the world, like these four in Colorado uh, who torture the plain meaning of language in order uh, to achieve their desired end. So you've got to stop dancing around with the Constitution. This is not a time for singing, I'm proud to be an American because at least I got a Constitution. You're screwed unless you get real. There's two parties. It's a frozen system, in part because the states, as we've just learned, control ballot access. So you can't do what Nigel Farage did. Uh, a month before the European elections and form an entirely uh, new uh, party and uh, and give uh, and uh, and give the Conservative Party its worst drubbing in 300 years. You can't do that in America because, as we've just learned, the states and their courts and their secretaries of state control ballot access. So you've got these two parties, and uh, which is bad enough, bad enough. But now we're, we're, we effectively have just a one-and-a-half-party state because we have the courts and the Department of Justice actually saying, no, 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 that second party, the other party... The uh, the opposition party, uh, yeah, we feel, yeah, yeah, you can vote against the uh, party in power, but only if you vote for someone who agrees with 95% of what the party in power is doing, like Nikki Haley. Uh, that's, that's what you're being told, and uh, no good... Is going to uh, no good is going to come of that. So you're right, and I thank Vivek Ramaswamy for what he did about this. Eric Dale says, Mark and fellow club members, has the U.S. government become Iran? Iran has elections, but uh, the kick with them is the mullahs have a veto of who can and cannot stand for election. Is the Colorado state judiciary the front line in the shall we say Iranias Iranianization? of American government, or has the frog been slowly coming to the boil and we are just now noticing the steam? I think that's overthinking it. 
Eric. Um, you know, uh, I, because I think that's a bit unfair to Iran. Iran thinks America is the great Satan and would dearly like to destroy America. But I do think that the particular conditions of American decline are generated within this society. So I don't think uh, we have the luxury of being able to pin the blame uh, on, on you know, the model from some... I don't think... I, that's why, I'd, as, as I said uh, months ago, maybe even years ago now, I didn't like all the Banana Republic stuff because the thing is, some Banana Republic is, is some basket case of no consequence to the world. There's something very weird when uh, you're the supposed uh, unipower, the only hyperpower, the hyperpuissance, as the French used to say, you know, your only serious rival for the hyperpower, for the superpower thing, the Soviet Union went belly up 30 years ago. And and so it's very weird. You can't really start comparing it to Chad or Senegal or Iran. It's something in... Um, there's something in America. The contagion has certainly spread to the rest of the West to... Uh, Britain and to Canada and uh, to the continent and so forth, but the uh, but the contagion uh, incubated and metastasized within America, and it's this particular combination, I think, of you know where you let in five million illegal immigrants uh, a year, and then they make common cause with the half of the country that in that hates its entire civilizational inheritance that's there's nothing like that nothing like that in iran or senegal by comparison they're ugly states a lot of them they're not terribly attractive uh to our way of thinking but they seem uh, less psychologically unhealthy uh, than the United States uh, does. Uh, John in Miami says, so in order to save democracy, Colorado's solution is to eliminate the popular candidate. That surely speaks ill of their confidence in the current Democrat candidate. Oh, I wouldn't be so sure. You know, the thing is, he's, he was, he's always been a crap candidate. And there's no... The, all that's happened, he used to, he used to be a fairly nimble but crap candidate. Now, even four years ago when he was calling people lying dog-faced pony soldiers or the guy he called Fatso. Do you remember that guy? The guy who he asked him a question about Burisma and uh, Biden called him Fatso and challenged him to do uh, press-ups with him uh, and take him outside. Uh, Biden couldn't do that now. Biden degenerates month on month. But they don't care. They don't have, you can tell by what they're doing that they have no serious fear of losing in November. As I said, there doesn't have to be widespread fraud. There just has to be narrow spread for fraud in six Democrat cities in purple states. And that enables them to steal it. And as, again, as I, I hate to keep saying, as I said, as I said, but as I said, as I said, uh, Bill Barr, when he said, we've seen no evidence of enough fraud to change the result of the election. That's not the standard 
in free societies. That's not the standard in Denmark. That's not the standard in France. Uh, that's not the standard in, uh, in, in any country, because who, who's to say? How, who's to say that if you've seen fraud, oh, but it's not enough to change the result. Oh, so you're saying you've seen all the fraud. You sure about that? We just had this poll in which 20% of poll respondents who filled in mail-in ballots said that they, uh, they admitted basically to voter fraud. They said they'd voted in states they didn't reside in. And 20% and, and isn't enough to change the result of the election. You know, they don't, if, if, you get, if, you, if that's the standard, then all the polls are rubbish, all the campaign is rubbish, all the campaign ads are rubbish, all the debate are, uh, is rubbish, because what determines the election is not the debates, not the campaign ads, uh, not the, uh, the stumping across Iowa and New Hampshire. The only thing that determines the result of the election is the 20 percent of uh, uh, male voters who admit to committing election fraud. Um, John in Miami continues, all the rhetoric around January the 6th was about how it was an insurrection that undermined faith in the electoral process. We weren't supposed to notice the various other cheat schemes like ballot harvesting and last minute rule changes on voter verification. Looks to me they're working earlier this time to shape the election in their favour, all to make sure no outsider has a chance to displace the current corruption process. Bingo! No meaningful course correction is to be permitted. That's, uh, that's basically what they're telling you. You can have, that, you know, so that's great. You can have Biden, you can have, if, assuming Biden makes it, if it's not Biden, it'll be Kamala Harris. So you'll have a choice between Kamala and um, Nikki Haley. And that's their idea, or that's all the choice you need. That's all the choice you need. Uh, let us pause for a seasonal interlude. Um, I started doing Christmas Eve radio shows almost half a century ago. I'll be doing one this Christmas Eve with lots of live music from various chums of mine whom you've gotten to know over the years. I've uh, Heard some of the rehearsal uh, tracks of that, and it's uh, shaping up, I think, to be our best Christmas Eve show yet. Uh, so I hope you'll listen to that. Um, but back when I started, it wasn't with live music. Uh, in my first few years, I just played gramophone records. And right from the get-go, this was always the track I started with. Not a big song, not a big hit. Just side one, track six on an album. But it went down well, so I never changed it. Not from... Small town northern Ontario to the heart of the imperial metropolis at the BBC. And I thought I'd play it again uh, this year in memory of my late friend Brian Savin, the producer of not only all our Seven Aid Radio Songs of the Week, but a whole bunch of other stuff of mine going back four decades. Brian was the guy who formalised this opening number and uh, made it the title of the show, Mark Stein Wishes You the Merriest, or some such. Here is Fred Waring's crackerjack band, the Pennsylvanians, with boy vocalists Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest. 
the merriest, yes, the merriest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest you'll cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. May your tree be filled with happiness, happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with cheerfulness, happiness and cheerfulness for all. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest. You'll cheer and the happiest New The happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest, the happiest New Year. Happiness and friendliness for all. May your heart be filled with happiness and cheerfulness and friendliness for all. You the happiest, the happiest, the happiest, yes, the happiest. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest. You'll cheer and the happiest, the friendliest, and the cheeriest, the merriest New Year. Frank Sinatra with Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians. You know who wrote that? Words and music by Les Brown, the famed band leader, uh, the band leader of renown, who wasn't really a composer or a lyricist, but if you're only going to write one Christmas song, that isn't a bad one. Speaking of Les Brown, I keep getting emails demanding to know what I made of those tranny tap dancers cavorting around the White House. Give me a break. That's the sort of thing that in the not-so-old days I'd have had to iron a shirt and press a suit and spend an hour in hair and makeup to do cheap gags on Fox News for a minute and three quarters before Mark Levin comes up to tell Sean Hannity how transgender tappers are expressly forbidden in the Federalist Papers. I don't do that stuff anymore because... When you've had a near-death experience, uh, talking about tranny tap dancers is something life's too short for. Uh, however, since you ask, it seems to me uh, Dr. Jill Biden and whoever's waggling the strings of her dead husk of a moth-eaten sock puppet husband were fairly obviously just trolling the right-wing commentariat. And of course... The right-wing commentariat entirely predictably rose to the bait, while the lefties were getting on with booting the opposition leader off the ballot. But also very typically, none of the right-wing commentariat seemed to recognize that the version of Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker that was used was not some uh, transvestite travesty commissioned by the DNC, but the once-famous arrangement 
by Les Brown and his band of renown, the same Les Brown who wrote We Are The Merriest. And on those same Christmas shows, on which I used to play Bing and Frank with Fred Waring's Pennsylvanians, I always found time for Les Brown's distinctive take on Tchaikovsky, which comes from a time when American pop culture could riff on the classics and rely on the audience knowing what you were referring to. Les Brown, by the way, was subsequently the band leader on the Bob Hope and Dean Martin shows. And so I was in a predicament, and I took it far more personally than Laura Ingram and Dave Rubin and whoever, because I forgot about the tranny tappers and focused on what they were trannily tapping to. And I thought, oh my God, what if Joe and Jill Biden have good taste? Well, I doubt it. Smells like the work of the minders to me. Anyway, here it is from Tchaikovsky's Ballet, my little girl's favourite when we used to go every year in Montreal or New York or wherever we happened to be. Written in 1892 and arranged by Frank Comstock for Les Brown in 1952, The Nutcracker Suite. Thank you. 
Les Brown and his band of renown and Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite. Love the opening, uh, but always feel uh, Frank Comstock's arrangement gives up on the concept halfway through and all those dead stops don't help. He needed to uh, tie the themes together a bit more, but the first half is very good. Les Brown has been gone a couple of decades and uh, doesn't deserve... Uh, to uh, be revived solely as the accompanist for Joe Biden's tranny tap dancers. Uh, his son, Les Jr., who kept the band and that arrangement alive, died earlier this year in Branson, Missouri. Uh, Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A live around the planet. It is 14 to 9 Greenwich Mean Time. A little behind, a lot ahead, according to where you chance to be on this turbulent earth. Uh, we'll get back to... Um, that Colorado court decision in a minute, but a couple of other things uh, first. Uh, let's see, from Todd Hines. Hi, Mark. Merry Christmas. Thrilled that my Liberty Stick, number 101, finally arrived this week. It is a well, These are our Stein Online Liberty Sticks, uh, which we're using to counter the Michael E. Mann climate change hockey stick, as you know. Uh, the trial begins January 16th in Washington, D.C., the day after Martin Luther King Day. And uh, it's going to go on for three to five weeks, it's estimated. And that's a bloody expensive stay in one of the world's most miserable cities. I, you think I want to spend five weeks in a Washington hotel? I certainly don't. <laughs> but we're... Uh, but we're relying on the Liberty Sticks to see us through that, and I'm thrilled that yours finally showed up. It's a well-travelled stick, as the Canadian Border Patrol flagged it as, quote, vaguely described and returned to sender. That is true. I believe every Canadian Liberty Stick got turned back by the, uh, the zealots of His Majesty's Customs in uh, Canada, uh, quite improperly, in my view, but uh, I don't want to go on about that because then they'll just stop them and seize them and send them back all over again. Nonetheless, it's a wonderful addition to my bookcase, and as always, I'm happy to support, says Todd Hines. My question, uh, Manitoba's newly minted premier, Kinyu, Wob Kinyu, uh, has written a letter to Prime Minister Trudeau offering the province as a place of refuge to people fleeing the Gaza conflict. Might the people of Manitoba have been consulted before the offer was made? Won't the Gazans just love Portage and Maine in January? On a note of diversity, I did notice a dearth of Gazan cuisine last time I was in Winnipeg. I think that's win-win for everybody. This guy clearly feels that what Manitoba has is a huge lack of Gazans. It's true he didn't consult the people of Manitoba. 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 <laughs> I think that's an improvement, actually. It's true he didn't consult the people of Manitoba, but the, 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 any more than the people of France were consulted uh, before sufficient incomers were admitted uh, that uh, 40% of uh, preschoolers, as we talked about earlier in the week, those under uh, four and under, 40% of them 
uh, now have a migrant background overwhelmingly from Africa in origin. So uh, the, pe the French people weren't consulted about that. Uh, the uh, people of the United Kingdom weren't consulted about the 1.2 million uh, admitted by uh, Rishi Sunak's evil lying government. Uh, the people of the United States weren't consulted about uh, the 5 million illegal immigrants admitted under the last... That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Uh, the ruling class of the West has decided to do this to you because it's basically in a domestic abuse, as Neil Oliver said, a domestic abuse relationship with its own citizenry. And it, but it works for Israel, too. I, I'm on record. I've said I thought the great population displacements after the Second World War in Europe and in the Indian subcontinent, they should have done that in um, in in uh, the Middle East, too. We, instead, we had one-way population displacement. The ancient Jewish populations of Baghdad uh, and of Tangiers and of everywhere else, they were all expelled and wound up in Israel. And I think it would have made sense to, uh, to, to have the same uh, displacement with the Arab populations of what had been the Palestine mandate. And Israel is in a tough situation here. You know, I'm generally a believer in the George Orwell line on these things, that when someone, I think it was when someone drops a bomb on your grandmother, you have to drop a bomb on both their grandmothers. It's not nice, but... It's what has, has to be done. Unless you want to see those images after October the 7th of the uh, naked women with blood between their legs because of the violence of the rape, the gang rape to which they'd been subjected, uh, not to mention the footage of the dead, the burned children and all the rest of it, unless you want that to become, you know, maybe not an annual event, but a biannual event, uh, annual event, you have to respond ruthlessly enough that it never happens again. And I think, you know, that I think in this, if I were, uh, if I were not even Netanyahu particularly, but anyone uh, sitting in Israel and uh, looking at the reaction you get from Western governments, particularly Justin Trudeau, and you get from um, uh, the BBC, you think, OK, uh, so if this guy in uh, Manitoba wants a bunch of Gazans, yeah, let's give him the entire, he can have the entire population of Gaza. We'll pay the shipping costs. Because Manitoba's a bloody sight bigger than Gaza. And uh, they'll have plenty of room to, uh, you know, do what they uh, want to do there. And they'll have a fantastic time in Manitoba. As long as they don't go to Winnipeg and wind up in one of the gay bars, they'll fit in perfectly well. And if uh, given the treatment he's received from Justin Trudeau, Joe Biden, Rishi Sunak, all of them, uh, that's certainly the way I'd, been, I'd be thinking. On a related note, Professor Norman Fenton, whom you've seen on uh, on the Mark Stein show, says, Mark, I'd love to hear your views about Andrew Bridgen's resignation from the Reclaim Party. The Reclaim Party is Lawrence Fox's party. And uh, I think just a few hours ago, uh, 
Loza and Andrew parted company. Uh, and they said they, they issued a statement saying they felt they could uh, have a greater impact separately or something like that. Uh, Norman says, I publicly defended Bridgen when he was, in my view, wrongly accused of anti-Semitism and kicked out of the Conservative Party for it. However, in the last couple of weeks, he has really gone down the anti-Israel rabbit hole, culminating yesterday in a statement in Parliament accusing Israel of genocide and of murdering two Catholic women in Gaza. It turns out that story is almost certainly not true. I provided him a link to a comprehensive report showing it was likely Hamas who killed the women. Yeah, um, in in effect, uh, Andrew Bridgen is uh, going through what uh, Norman went through in the days after October the 7th, when there were all these people who had... Uh, uh, we've spoken about it before, who had backed uh, Norman uh, when he was uh, talking about COVID and the vaccines and all the rest of it. And then they suddenly discover after October, oh, my God, he's a Jew. I had no idea. Uh, so now he's objecting to Hamas uh, paragliding into, uh, into Israel and killing all the people on the kibbutzes. I had no idea. He was so sound when he was just talking about the vaccines. And uh, and Andrew Bridgen, I I wouldn't want. I don't think I Andrew Bridgen has been on the Mark Stein show, and I certainly wouldn't like to think that he's in favour of those Hamas atrocities. But he does seem to have been, uh, as uh, Norman puts it, uh, you know, a little uh, at the very least a little naive in just going. The, the the whole thing with coverage of this particular issue is that the uh, Hamas and, and uh, the Palestinians in general are master manipulators of the Western media because the Western media check nothing. The big thing recently was the so-called Israeli bombing of the hospital, uh, which turned out not to be an Israeli bombing at all. But that had gone all... That was peddled by the BBC. The BBC hadn't checked it. They were just going on... You know, again and again, a lot of the problem with this is because they, the guys who are their correspondents on the ground, they don't do this with Israel. You know, they don't have some, uh, you know, hardcore Likudnik Jew doing their Israeli coverage, but for their Gaza coverage, they have some Gazan who's who's basically those guys all had special access to the uh, invasion. Uh, of Israel. They all knew hours in advance and they were all there getting the film and getting the footage. Uh, it's absolutely disgraceful the way the BBC and the Associated Press and, and Reuters and all these other people basically use semi-operatives of Hamas as their correspondents. But as I said, this is what is... This is... Um, Britain's Jews, I think, are in a particularly awful situation because i don't think they realize <clears throat> to put it mildly i i was talking <clears throat> about a, a couple of weeks ago about an actress that i happened hadn't seen while well, i happened to be sitting next to at dinner a, a, a while back about this and um 
they don't i don't i think it's only simon sharma for example is another one he's uh, he's shocked by the anti-semitism everywhere but he's supported all the all the people and policies that have led to the anti-semitism and now he's shocked you know he he was on stage i urge you not just there's a clip from that that gets played which is him saying it's pathetic that nigel farage and i from that monk debate that Nigel Farage and I are so hung up about all the girls being raped in Europe. It's, uh, we, we seem completely sex-obsessed, and uh, it's probably because we don't get enough nookie ourselves, uh, as, as he said. And, uh, you know, I push back on that, and that's what turned the debate, and that's what cost him the debate. Um, but there's another interesting moment there when he's t- talking about Muslims and he's saying that his Muslim news agent in London is an absolutely splendid chap. His Muslim news agent. So he he goes there, passes that guy every morning, uh, you know, before he gets on the tube or whatever. And he gives the, I don't know what, the, he gives the guy a pound or whatever newspapers cost now. And the guy gives him his copy of The Guardian and he says, uh, great, have a great day and walks on. He doesn't know any Muslims. They're a self-segregating group. And because you've imported them on the scale that Simon Sharma wanted to, he ended that debate by reading that lousy Emma Lazarus piece of garbage, so-called dog rule poetry, that is, the, the, the French gave America a fabulous Statue of Liberty and the Americans turned it into a lousy statue of mass immigration by stapling that lousy poem to it. He read out that poem. Um, he was talking about that poem and he read out the John Donne, No Man is an Island poem at the end of that monk debate. That was his final thing, just to read out that poem. And that's nice and artsy of you to read out John Donne, No Man is an Island. But you are an island now. You're an island in a sea of Muslims, uh, and you know nothing about them except when you hand over your quid to buy the Guardian uh, every morning to your Muslim news agent. You know nothing about them. And the fact is, you've now admitted them in such numbers that for your party, the Labour Party, it's not uh, to retain electoral viability. They have to kiss up to Muslim voters and ignore Jewish voters. Stephen Fry, another thing. Stephen Fry, he's just done a thing. I think it's going to be the Channel 4 Christmas broadcast. Stephen Fry said, oh, everyone, because I played... Jeeves in Jeeves and Worcester, everything, everyone thinks I'm quintessentially English, but in fact, I'm a Jew. And why is everybody being so beastly to the Jews? Can't we all just get up? Well, you again, you were writing to The Guardian, uh, taking the Palestinian side on the Palestine. And in fact, they're actually saying the entire existence of the state of Israel should be put up, uh, should be uh, up in the air. There won't be Jews. In the UK, there won't be Jews in France. There won't be Jews in Canada. There won't be Jews in New York City because of uh, the policies that the official Jews, the Jewish establishment, has supported. Anyway, um, so these are are awkward things. Um, One of the problems 
because uh, I think Norman actually had a hell of a shock when suddenly all the tweeters who'd liked him were suddenly piling on him as a Zionist shill. The left has an advantage because even though they uh, don't claim, you know, even though they appear incoherent, you know, on the one hand, they're all hot for the muzzies, but at the same time, who like to throw the gay guys off buildings, but at the same time, they're all for the LGBT QWERTY crowd and all the rest of it. And that seems totally incoherent. It seems uh, a completely incoherent coalition. But the one thing they have in common is they're all about on that side more state power. So it doesn't really matter whether it's mass immigration or it's COVID lockdowns or it's climate change. The answer is always more state power. And the right has a much... It's much harder to take all the various dissident positions to that monolithic solution of more state power and knit them together. You know, I was talking uh, a couple of months ago to one of our grooming gang victims who had terrible, an indomitable, fearless spirit and a great survivor. But she said uh, <laughs> rather amusingly that she didn't quite understand how, you know, now as a grooming gang survivor, she was getting tweeted about all the covid vaccine victims and then she concluded it must be because my show had featured both those topics the girls who were the victims of these uh, of the industrial scale gang rape by pakistani muslim gangs in every town up and down the spine of england and then the various uh, victims of uh, the COVID vaccines and my show did both of them and and so I assume she wasn't the only one who thought that the two things went together and as Norman discovered uh, and as Dow discovered anew with Andrew Bridgen in fact a lot of these a lot of these miscellaneous topics don't go together which is one reason why it's much more difficult to build a kind of opposition to uh, the uni party. Um, but thank you for that uh, question, uh, Norman. Let's see uh, what else uh, we've uh, got here. Uh, wait, wait a minute. I've lost, uh, I've, uh, lost all the um, uh, bits of... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll come to it. I'm, uh, my mind's uh, wandering. Uh, Frank Gallenstein or Gallenstein says, Hi, Mark. A, it wasn't an insurrection. B, it doesn't apply to the president. C, they're not Congress. D, it's stunts like this that will cause an insurrection. What say ye? You know, I've said, I, I go back and look at what I said in the 24 hours after the so-called insurrection. Uh, and what was interesting to me then, because uh, I I loathe Washington, and I think anyone who isn't really part of it loathes it. So I switch on the TV and I see the Capitol and there's all this smoke and there's people waving signs and everything. And uh, I think, oh, this is great. What's going on? Uh, but uh, but the, the, we're looking at that. And then all of a sudden they cut. This is Fox News. And on Fox News, they're already going on uh, about how this is the citadel of democracy and all the rest of it. And as I said, it's a citadel of crap. But, you know, what was in what was the most telling thing about that was the willingness of the right 
to go along with the narrative, the willingness of the right to go along with the narrative. Uh, so obviously it wasn't an insurrection. Trump, with this whole thing that Trump incited the insurrection, he was still speaking as they were insurrecting because uh, there were far more uh, undercover agent provocateur from America's lavishly funded uh, police agencies uh, on the streets there. All, and the guys uh, at the uh, Capitol had already, he was still, he didn't know anything about this. He was still wrapping up his speech. Yeah, I've said everything I have to say. It's right. You know what I can't stand? This is, again, one of the issues where I always quote, quote Lord Moulton about the realm of manners. That a healthy society, you know, there's 5% of things you're obligated to do, whatever it is, you know, uh, you have to do three years in the army or whatever it is, for, as it was for most of human history. Uh, there's 5% of things, you know, you have to pay, file your tax return, whatever. There's 5% of things you have to do. There's 5% of things you are prohibited from doing, like murdering people, raping people. Uh, but that, that huge bit in the middle, there, there ought to be 80 to 90% of life that uh, you self-regulate in. And this is one of those, uh, this is one of those occasions where that should, and he was a judge, and he's not regarded as a particularly distinguished judge, but this is a great insight by Lord Moulton. Uh, because uh, America, uh, under all these legalism, all that, uh, you know, the uh, Article 14, Section 3, it doesn't actually mention the... The, the Trump's lawyers, who have been very bad, actually, uh, because he can't get good lawyers, because they're scared off, because they know they'll be disbarred or whatever. You know, all this... this, this America has degenerated, and in part it's because of this constitutional fetishization. I just put this out there. I know it's not going to be popular. Um, but I think it's true. Into a land of legalisms. There's a, there was a survey done however many years ago it was that found that in the course of the average day, uh, the average American breaks about 300 laws because there are laws now against everything. So everything then becomes legalisms. And something like this actually shouldn't be within the province of legalisms. Um, you know, the, the expression, of, what does a judge do? A judge sits. Uh, a, a, a judge sits over at the district court, the, the sitting judge at the superior court. That's what a judge does. A judge sits. And it's a well-chosen word because it's meant to be, uh, it's the, the idea is of the judge as the locus of stability. It takes a lot to get the sitting judge to move. Because essentially a, a judge is a model of stability and moderation and prudence. So when you have judges saying, oh, look at this uh, guy, he's uh, been leading in all the polls uh, for the last couple of months. I tell you what, let's remove him from the ballot. That is not a judge who's sitting. That is a judge who's just jerking spasmodically. Uh, because he has an erroneous idea of what his function in society is. 
The office of president in self-governing societies is supposed to be like the office of senator or the office of representative. It's supposed to be in the gift of the people. That's why I don't like all this rubbish where after somebody, uh, my own senator from New Hampshire, Bob Smith, you know, he, uh, he, he, he got turfed out. He's no longer a senator, uh, but he, he, I think he still has Senator Bob as his email address. You know, that title, it, well, it's not a title, it's an office, and it's an office in the gift of the people. And I don't believe it's for judges to uh, uh, judges who intrude on that. Now, where I disagree with Frank Gallenstein or Gallenstein, he says it's stunts like this that will cause an insurrection. Yeah, I think they're trying. This is this is one of these things where they've the you know the petrol has spilled as you were pumping your car, and someone has come by and tossed a match on the petrol, and that's great. Uh, and now the gas tanks have exploded. But but I tell you what, why don't we we just fan the flames a bit more, and it'll and and uh, it'll cause those school buses. Uh, parked over there to burst into flames as well, and maybe the adjoining building. This is what the Democrats are doing. But, you know, my line is well rehearsed. Uh, I used to worry that there'd be a civil war. Now I worry that there won't be. It's not possible. There's no politics in any of this. This isn't politics. This is where they're teaching half the country to accept permanent dispossession. It's tied to everything else that's all going on anyway. Your statues uh, are taken down. Your uh, Minnesota flag gets redesigned. You're on the outs. And you have to accept that, the, quite disgracefully, the one in Arlington now, the Confederate Memorial, which was a symbol of national reconciliation. But that was then and this is now. So that uh, memorial has to go. It's all, you've got to, and right now I hear all the, well, you know, we have the second, we're not like those Euro pussies, we got the second amendment, really? Well, actually, what is, as a practical matter, what is the difference? Because you're taking it, they're shoving it down your gullet day after day after day. So when Frank Gallenstein says it's stunts like this which will cause an insurrection, uh, at the moment, you know, at the moment, they're, they're, they're getting their way. They're getting their way on everything. They're slicing the breasts off your middle schoolers. They're getting their way on everything. It is, it is a, a, a very weird situation. Um, let's see, what else, uh, what, what else we, uh, we, uh, got, uh, here, uh, um, Oh, and uh, Tim Boggs, if they steal the election again next year, how close do you think we are to civil war? Well, that's the great question. You know, again, it's a George Orwell line after he went to the miners meeting and he expected them all to be mad with rage and ready to call a general strike and everything. And uh, he walked, and of course, they were sort of downcast and downtrodden. And he walked away saying there's no turbulence left in England. Uh, so the question is, uh, when uh, is there turbulence uh, left in America? Because it certainly would uh, be interesting to see some. Because we can't, you know, it would be nice to be able to vote our way out of this. But you can't do that when four crap judges 
in Colorado are picking the guys you have to vote for. Uh, Veronica writes from New Zealand. I always read her comments with great interest. Hello, Mark. You have often been a critic of Putin and also Chairman Xi for being dictators and sometimes, as in the case of Putin, having opponents removed or thrown out of windows. I am... I don't think I've ever called Putin a dictator. He's elected, uh, you know, there are, there are aspects of Russian elections that are highly dubious. I'm not sure these days they're particularly any more dubious uh, than American elections. But I wouldn't actually call him a dictator. He's an authoritarian leader and he does have his enemies killed or at any rate, a surprising number of them meet convenient accidents, whether falling out of windows or their planes blowing up shortly after takeoff. Um, but Veronica says, well, if the GOP had engaged in a bit of hard power politics themselves, Trump should have locked her up. You guys would not now be in the position you are. At least you know where sovereignty lies with Putin and Russia. Where does it lie in the US with the Democrat judges, it seems? A precedent has now been set and Trump will be removed from the ballot in as many states as they can manage. And Nikki Haley will wind up as the GOP nominee losing to Biden or Harris next year. I don't see either the, the, the GOP or the Supreme Court doing much to prevent it, as that outcome would suit them. What say you? Well, I've said what I said about the Supreme Court earlier in the show, and what I, and I, uh, what, what I um, mean by that is what I said, you know, that I think if you were to give John Roberts the benefit of the doubt... He was assuming that after what happened in 2020, people would accept it and uh, normal politics would resume. But the Democrats want it too bad. You know, generally speaking, it's not, always, it's not a numbers game, really. I mean, because Islam has become the, uh, the, the mediating force in politics in a lot of countries, not because it's 51% of the population, because it, it may be only 10%, but it's the noisiest 10%. And uh, to go back to what you were talking about, people know if, if there's a play that's on that Muslims don't like, they'll be at the stage door and they'll firebomb the theater. Uh, if there's a book they don't like, they'll uh, kill the author. And if they can't get the author, they'll kill his publisher and his, and his translator. So people take Islam seriously. Nobody takes the GOP seriously because they're a joke. Look at how the, what's Ronna McDaniel got to say about uh, what's going on? And more to the point, what's she going to do about it? Uh, you know, the, the, so the, the, hang they, the Democrats keep raising the stakes. <coughs> Pardon me. And the Republicans... Uh, keep putting up with it. Now, I don't agree. You know, I don't really want to be ruled by guys who throw their enemies out of windows. Although at this stage, by the way, I I don't, you, you know, the, the, we're on the same continuum. There's people whose lives are ruined, who are who are utterly broke, who will never have any money again. Uh, people who wind up in jail having been forced to confess to crimes they don't commit. You know, we're on the same continuum as, as the Putin 
continuum. But I will say this, in that I think Putin and Chairman Xi represent something real. They represent the real great power uh, public prosecution of their interests. And uh, Biden and the rest of the West don't represent anything real. They just represent this sort of decadent, corrupt, LGBT, QWERTY uh, fantasy, fantasy of diversity um, that isn't real and is just an interlude between before whatever comes next. And whatever comes next is likely to be ugly and is quite likely to be as ugly as Putin or whoever you uh, or whoever you you uh, you want to to to, to name. Um, uh, thank you, thank you for that question. Uh, for, I think it was a question. <laughs> Maybe it was just a, a snide crack at me. William says, uh, "Dear Mr. Stein, I have two questions. Two years ago, I said in this forum that we should pursue political autonomy or independence using the same strategy." as the African National Congress and the Indian National Congress. That's Gandhi and co. Um, I'm wondering if you have given any more serious thought to this. Second, will you ever read Flashman for Tales of Our Time? Flash for Freedom or Flashman and the Angel of the Lord would be perfect for our time. I wouldn't be surprised if Boris Johnson is one of Flashy's bastard descendants. No, he's way he doesn't have the style of uh, Flashman. Uh, and he isn't. Uh, you're, you're overinflating Bojo there. Um, I'd love to do Flashman. I always enjoyed the company of George MacDonald Fraser uh, on the couple of occasions that I met him. And uh, the, 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 the problem is those books are in copyright and uh, procuring the rights would be a little expensive. Um, so it'll have to wait, I think, until least until after this uh, court case uh, is resolved. As to the Indi yeah, the Indian National Congress, uh, African National Congress thing, I'm, I'm, uh, we, are, uh, we are getting, if the, if the elections are fake, and in America they're now totally fake, so if you can't vote your way out of it, then you have no other option but to go for civil disobedience, whether it's peaceful civil disobedience, which is fine, when you're Gandhi up against uh, British civil servants, I don't know whether that would work against the American deep state. I think they'd be happy to kill large numbers of people. Like, uh, for example, if there, was to be, if there was to be some kind of insurrection. You know, I, the guy who put a bullet in Ashley Babbitt, who was no threat to anybody, he's still in the Capitol Police, and he's proud of murdering her. And uh, or everybody's all oh, thank you for your service, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think they would have been happy had there been fifty Ashley Babbitts uh, that day. And if uh, and if there weren't, they're teaching you the lesson. That's why the American attempt to replicate the Canadian truckers failed, because everybody knew that you know people in their fifties, sixties who had uh, no criminal records, but they happened to. Their, their credit card showed that they were in Washington that day. They've had their lives ruined. Um, so I, I'm in favor of civil disobedience because I don't I, do, I think uh, 
the U.S. government and other Western governments are basically now conspiracies uh, against their people. But I'd be in favour of that. But I'm not sure where it's uh, where it's going to get to anywhere. Uh, it's going to. Uh, get uh, anywhere I had a, a saw, oh yeah here we are Lee Evans says thanks very much for the signed copy of the Prisoner of Windsor you sent to my mother for Christmas she is chuffed to bits well I'm delighted that she's chuffed to bits the cancellation of right leaning Brexit favouring illegal immigration criticising politicians continued apace this week with Trump in Colorado Peter Bone and Miriam Cates in the UK yeah this is these are two, uh, Peter Bone, I think, has been recalled by his voters, um, but they're two uh, British MPs um, who, as Lee Evans says, adds to the long list of attempted shutdowns in recent history, including yourself at GB News. Do you put all this down to the Ming the Merciless lookalike puppet master in Davos, or is that a conspiracy theory too far? Uh, the Ming the Merciless uh, guy in, at the uh, hollowed-out Spectre Volcano at Davos, uh, that isn't a conspiracy. He says these things. He was talking uh, about how uh, we're going to be moving to a world without elections because they'll, somehow they'll know we will we'll have chips in us so they'll know what we think about anything and, uh, and so elections won't be necessary. Uh, I actually um, did a uh, short story about that. Uh, Isaac Asimov, uh, saw on a related theme a couple of election nights uh, back. Um, yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory. They're talking about this stuff out loud. And again, the whole thing is that somehow we have these planetary emergencies. Oh, it might be the Omicron variant this week, or it might be climate change that week. But these are things that can't be sorted out by you going to your school gym and voting. They have to be done by the world's great and good getting together and holding a planetary meeting to solve these things. And they don't want anybody who is uh, thinking outside the track they're on. And that includes Trump. That includes the guys who voted for Brexit. That includes Georgia Maloney until they got to her. Uh, that, in, that includes Hed Wilders. You know, you don't have to be very, and not of all these people that might taste, but you don't have to go very far. And it's a bit like what we were talking about with Norman Fenton. You know, it, sometimes it's just on one issue, sometimes it's on another issue. But the, increasingly, unless you fit the uniparty mould, can you think of anything? Nikki Haley, I mean, that was a Nikki Haley who wants war on at least three continents, right? There's not enough war for her at the moment. You know. Anyway, I'm glad your mum is uh, chuffed to bits by the prisoner of Windsor, Lee. That is uh, great news, and I thank you very much for it. Um, Christmas at Stein Online, we aired our special with Irving Berlin's daughter about the song White Christmas on Sunday. And uh, several people complained that the show wasn't like the version we aired a couple of years back. Well, no, that's because it was the Serenade radio version of the White Christmas show. And we had to take out a few minutes, which is a shame. Um, and in particular, I love 
the part of the song you never hear, which is uh, Mr. Berlin's lovely introductory verse. Friend Monique Fauteuil is here. Grab a line, Monique. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen A 
seasonal song from me to you. Yours truly with Monique Fauteur on vocals and at the piano. Monique sung with the great Charles Trenet and Quebec's legendary progressive rock band Harmonium. So she's being awfully sporting, going a couple of choruses with me. Uh, Notwithstanding America's awful judges, it is still Christmas, which means lots more Christmas content between now and the big day. Yuletide music-wise, we have something special coming up for you on Saturday. And don't forget our annual Christmas Eve broadcast of Lessons and Carols. Lots of great live music from various members of the Stein Show musical family. Ancient carols in sparkling new versions that you will only hear right here at Stein Online. Also, we'll be wrapping up the final episodes of my serialization of A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. And if you've left the Christmas shopping a bit late, there's always a Mark Stein Club Christmas gift membership, which can be digitally delivered right up until the early hours of Christmas morning. Or give your beloved something he or she, or whatever non-binary pronoun is preferred, uh, give he, she, they, Zeezer the gift of a lifetime, an unforgettable week on the Mark Stein Caribbean cruise. Stay safe, stay free, stay well, stay on the ballot. Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.